0: Welcome to episode three of the Women Centric Transport Dialogue Series. Hi, I'm Timothy Maurice, a behavioral psychology author, and Nangamso Matabese Maponya and I hope you're inspired and moved to action by this five part series. In this third episode, you'll meet four extraordinary women who will be discussing innovative solutions for inclusive transport. Make sure you go back to episode one and two to get more. I'll be hosting this episode along with Nangamso, who is the pioneer of the women-centric transport model. You're going to hear from Liziwe Maseko, Zukiswa Sitoli, Tandi Haley, and Professor Marianne Van Deskuren. As they introduce their work and ideas, you're going to be moved. That's a promise. Enjoy. And now we're going to shift to Innovation. We're looking directly in the heart of solutions, and I am super thrilled to be joined by so many brilliant women. I think I'm the luckiest person alive right now. I'm gonna start with Lizzie Way. So give us your name, what you do, and how it can link to and impact transportation. And all you have is 30 seconds. Are you ready? Ready. All right. By the way, uh, you're co-hosting this panel. If you don't like anything that you see <laughs> from your colleagues, you can cut them in the middle of the conversation, okay?
1: <laughs> I will do that.
0: <laughs> cut, 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 cut. All right, cool. So, Lizzie, Wei,
2: you can start. Thank you, Timothy and Nangamso, and thank you for the invite. As it's been said, my name is We Maseko, I'm an IT executive in the ICT industry in South Africa with nearly 20 years of experience. Now, how I can bring value to this conversation is that as an ICT practitioner, we have the ability to enhance performance across multiple sectors, including the transport sector. Therefore, my being ever so humble that you can join me, that I can join the conversation today. Thank you so much.
0: All right, bing, elevator closed. We are moving on to the next. I want to go to Prof. Marianne. Take it away.
3: Thank you so much, Demetri. My name is Marianne van Schuren. My accent gives away that I'm trained uh, outside of South Africa, but I have been for the last 20 years. I work in the civil engineering department at the University of Cape Town, and I'm a trained transport planner engineer. And um, I um, try to make sure that I contribute to evidence-based change also by leading by example. That's why I'm staying in the sector. Thank you, Timothy.
0: All right, thank you so much, Ding. I'm gonna move to Tandi and I wanna say Zuki for last. So Tandi, take it away.
4: Good afternoon, uh, Timothy. Uh, My name is Tandi Healy. I am the Chief Executive Officer of Spekuza Women Investment, and company trading as Spekuza Rail. We are a concessionaire on one of Transnet's branch line, um, which is uh, between Umtata and East London, and we'll be providing um, freight um, freight rail services um, in in that region. And, and hence, I think um, I do deserve to be in this round table.
0: <laughs> thank thank you. you very much. you very you very much deserve to be. Okay, Zuki, uh, please, you know, no pressure, close this introduction section part out.
5: Wow, no pressure at all. Thank you, um, Timothy, and good afternoon, in fact, good evening to all the ladies, and thank you for inviting me here. So I am Zuki Sitole, I am a lawyer by training and throughout most of my career by profession. I've been in project finance since I started my career. I've now transitioned into risk within the banking industry. And so with all of that experience, I think I certainly can drive change through first of all, arguing legally, all of these important legal points that are needed to drive the change, number one. And number two, certainly come up with the risk mitigations that are always posed as the key things that are attributable to why women cannot access finance more um, than men do. And so I think that would be value add to to the conversation and to this change that we're trying to drive. Thank you.
0: Zuki, can you sing?
5: I'd like to think so, yes.
0: You can. (laughs) There's so many skills on this panel. You never know. I may ask you to see what it would be like to be seeing it outside of a train station. Anyway, so (laughs) as we kick off, Nanga, I want to just ask you real quick before we jump in, because the first question I have is going to be for the prof. Uh, Nanga, who is your favorite person on this panel? Well, myself.
1: I myself.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant answer. Self-love is critically
1: important. Yes. So you're gonna ask me the first question. There's like, put me on the spot. No, I'm I'm asking the Prof uh,
0: the first question. uh, 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 Prof, you've spent your life, I mean, your PhD, your background, your education, you've spent your work, you've worked in civil engineering department. And, you know, when you think about engineering, you know, what is the portion of the population affected when women-centered design is implemented?
3: Thank you for that question, Timothy. Um, I, I think what I want to do is turn it around. How many people are we excluding if we don't start implementing women-centric design? Okay. And you know, people might say, okay, 50% of the population or thereabouts are women, so it's 50%, but that's not the case. I've unpacked the data for South Africa. And what you see is that 25% of our overall population, just over that, are adult females. So those are the women under us. But these women are responsible for all kids, boys and girls, which is 35% of our population. That's uh, people under 18. They're also responsible for making sure that the sick get to the hospital, uh, that the disabled can be part of the community, that grants are collected. And that's another 14% of our population. That includes males as well. So in total, if we're not starting to design for the vulnerable in our communities and focusing on female because they're responsible for the other vulnerables in our society we excluding just under 75 percent of our population so coming back to something that was said earlier the modeling that is done and it's done from an economic point of view etc that is exactly where the problem comes in it's engineers that are part of that 25% of abled males that are designing for 25% of our population oh, being wow. abled males.
0: You know, I, I'm thinking, as, you, as you're as you talking, I'm wondering, what are the most urgent women-centric design features that need to be implemented Yeah, to
3: me, there are quick wins, and I think we need to make sure that the low-hanging fruit is collected first so that we make a big change with small investments. And one okay. of the, the most cost-effective investment is improving lighting. Make sure that the areas where people walk, um, the stops and station that we have been speaking about, that our colleagues spoke about, that they are well lit, there are no d- dark corners, and that the sidelines are correctly implemented at interst- changes, underpasses, at or stops at cha- and stations. So when engineers are trained, they are trained with sidelines. When I approach in a car an uh, intersection, then I need to make sure that for the speed that I'm allowed to travel, I can see, potential conflicts in time that's no different in women-centric design but it needs to happen at every spot at every station from a vulnerable road users point of view often women that are stand waiting for uh, trains for taxis etc oh, wow. etc so it's really easy um but it needs to be done with different glasses on
0: thank you thank you for kicking us off as well uh nanga you know i'm gonna before i get to my ministry of finance my legal mind zuki and Tandi. uh i'm gonna come to lizzie way are you okay with that nangamso
1: Okay Remember, as
0: co-host, you can,
1: you can completely <laughs> veto anything. Yes, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'd like okay. to speak less All on right. this one. I'm here to learn.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, Lizzie-Wei, uh, what is transportation technology and why does it matter?
2: Good question, uh, Timothy. So, transportation technology essentially is technology that moves people or goods from one place to another. And it matters because as it's been said on on this panel and prior panels is that we need transportation for access to food, transportation to healthcare, uh, access to healthcare, access to educational opportunities and access to employment. Now the need for technology in transportation in itself arises from the necessity of transportation being made efficient, transportation being made easy and transportation being made safe.
0: Oh, wow. Can you give us a couple of examples of transportation technologies?
2: Sure, no problem, Timothy. Um, We can start with digital platforms. Essentially digital platforms, they connect uh, different people or individuals or parties together. Here we are speaking about solutions such as ride sharing, uh, typically a last mile problem. Imagine I get off a train at a particular station and I need a car to get to a particular destination. Using an application, an app, I can uh, locate the nearest car, right? And if that car is going in the direction of where I want to go through ride sharing platforms, I'm then made aware of where the car is, where the pickup point is, and uh, the driver is made aware of where my drop off point is. Similar um, theme are car sharing platforms. Difference is with ride sharing, it's multiple people in a single car. With car sharing, it's a single vehicle being used by many people. So I hop off the train station and I want to use a vehicle to get to my office, but I don't want to share it. Similar concept, I use an app to locate the vehicle, to unlock the vehicle, drive to where I needed to go and to inform where I've parked the vehicle, lock it, and then I could walk into my office. Um, there's also a transportation technologies such as electronic vehicles where the vehicle itself, it's powered uh, by a battery. It uses electronic motors. Um, The the beauty about this particular innovation is that electronic cars are quieter. They have no exhaust uh, emissions and overall they they produce lower emissions. Um, There's also the invent of autonomous vehicles. So these can be semi or fully autonomous um, semi uh, Fully autonomous would be where there's no human intervention at all. Semi-autonomous will be at a point where there is some human intervention. So we'll see these in cars or buses, for example, where the bus or the car has the ability to signal that the bus must stay in a particular lane, right? Okay. So technology can help in, in those instances, uh, for example, in the transport industry. Oh,
0: wow. Wonderful. Naganso, I hope you're making these notes, because I know that a big part of women-centric transport is to provide reporting, insights, and data mm-hmm. uh, to the broader community. So please make sure that we yeah. are, we're getting these innovative solutions. I've promised myself to listen time.
1: to this recording after this.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs> perfect. You know, I, I want to come to Tandi, you know, on a, on a really serious note. All of you guys are pioneers and you're certainly one of them. And Specuza women investment, the leading investment in transport that you, you are one of the founding members of. Tell us a little bit about getting this investment, uh, this investment house off the ground and what you've learned in this
4: process. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Timothy. Um, we are a group of six women and um, from a different backgrounds. And um, we happen to be family. And um, four of us are sisters. And then there's um, a cousin, a cousin of ours, and, um, and also our mother. And um, before we started up the company, we were running different companies. I was in the financial risk management space together with one of my sisters. And then um, the other sister was in, is into um, organizational development in Asia. And, um, and the other one is a business analyst. And in the course of us, you know, um, getting on with our lives, we tended to work together. On, on projects, okay. in delivering projects. So, so there's a history amongst us of uh, successfully um, delivering on projects. And um, and we also did a lot of work within the public sector space. And, um, and one of the projects that we delivered on um, was uh, with Transnet, where we were part of a consortium that was looking at a um, packaging of um of the branch line opportunities for private sector participation and just the analysis uh from a risk return point of view as to um how could these opportunities work and um which lines are viable, which ones are not viable, and those that are not viable, you know, what interventions could be put in place to make them viable, that kind of thing. So, so, we did that project, and um, and coming out of that project, I mean, it triggered something to us, and um, and we became interested in actually getting involved on that, you know, on that on that work, and um, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, uh, we decided to pursue uh, one of the opportunities. And, um and the line specifically that we wanted to you know to pursue uh there's a little bit of history on that one as well um we originally from the eastern Cape and um, and this line used to pass through um where we used to live uh close to the station so we're very familiar you know with with um, with the vibrancy, you know that um, the economy around um, this line um, used to be when it was moving, and um, and the impacts that it had, you know, um, in the surrounding areas. So we started doing some research uh, in terms of approaching uh, potential customers that we think will make the line viable to test if they will be interested. In um, in taking up the services when uh, when they when they are reintroduced. and um, and based on that, we then build a business case and put together a proposal to Transnet to you know to to see if they can um, concession the land to us. So cool. so that's how everything started. Okay, and <laughs> you know from your
0: learning working with women and getting to this stage. I'm going to go to Zuki, but I want you to be thinking because I'm going to come back to you. I want you to be thinking about what have you learned about working with women? We know that it can be a very complex competitive dynamic um, that has been created. It's a hostile environment created by patriarchal forces. We know that the systemic challenges that are very aggressive against women often cause an aggression inside of the gender dynamic. So I want you to be thinking about what have you learned in terms of as an upside um, that has been a wonderful asset, an innovative asset for you working alongside so many women. So I'm gonna come back to you, give you a moment to think about that question, okay? Okay. Super. Uh, Zuki, uh, you have a master's in finance and investments. So I wanna talk money, okay? I wanna talk finance. I wanna talk about what are some ways we can gear our minds to evolve ourselves, to start thinking about attracting finance, structuring finance, uh, to think about, you know, incentivizing in this industry? You know, I don't know enough about finance, as you can see by my question, <laughs> but take this question and make sense of it and talk to us a little bit about finance in the transportation sector.
5: Great, um, thank you Tim. Thanks so much for that question. I, I, I wanna try and tackle it very quickly from two angles. Um, so we think about finance and some of the challenges particularly that pertain to women accessing finance. We tend to think just solely on the supply side and the supply side, I mean the bankers, the investment companies, the financial institutions that provide this finance. And while that is good to do, and it's very necessary to do, I think we've got to be very careful not to neglect the demand side challenges. And the demand side challenges speak to the actual clients um, people like Tandy the, and the companies that Tandy um, is running. So we need to also not omit to try and look to that side and engage with that side to try and understand whether they, could there be challenges that perhaps are non-financial, are there other non-financial barriers that we can start to engage with and see how, how we can find solutions for that. Having said that, I want to start with the supply side challenges, right? Um, okay. Now, I think there was a study that was done just recently in 2019 by Harvard Business Review. And it's still found, remember 2019 is about what, a year and eight months ago, right? Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. found that, and that's not too long, it's still found that to this day, we are still um, facing the situation where the supply side is dominated mainly by males, all right? That's number one. Number two, um, it found that even in the evaluation, the assessment of, of um, transactions that come through for the investment process, the criteria, the evaluation and assessment criteria that is employed by financial institutional investment companies when it comes to women and men Is quite different the questions that are being asked you know between women and men are quite different and that is reality it's still happening today and that's a reality that we face and so when when i looked at that study it actually just made me think of a notion that is called homophily right which is really an attraction to similarity and i think this homophily is really a common social instinct, I think. It doesn't just happen with men, it happens with women too. It can happen as between the same ethnic people of the same ethnic group and so forth and so forth. I do think that if you look at this study, what we are finding then, even in these financial institutions and these investment companies, there's a notion of homophily that is a factor that we need to consider here. And if that is the case, I I sat back and I thought to myself, if that is the case, this is not something that's going to be solved in two years. We've got to be realistic about these things. Perhaps what we can also start looking to is making sure that there is a rise in women investors, a rise in women investors, female investors, right? Who at that point when we have that rise will also have this notion of homophily playing into the mix and of course at this time skewing the favor towards women and trying to redress that gap that financing gap that we already have existing that's number one I think that's something very important that we need to look to look there are female investors out there we're not saying they aren't we're just saying that perhaps there aren't enough female investors at this point in time to try and so that we can redress that gap And the reason why homophily in this case would actually work so well, given that this is an attraction to similarity. Remember here, we'll be talking about same beliefs, same values, even when it comes to the investments that are being made. And so if you have a woman sitting on one side and a woman coming for the transaction, who is probably more... Um, driven by social impact of that particular t- transaction. And perhaps the male counter- counterpart is not, perhaps the male counterpart is thinking about bottom line, right? What is the bottom line? The profits. And that's all that's being driven. Forget about social impact. Now I'm not trying to say that all men are like that. No, that's not at all. I'm saying that women associate and affiliate a little bit more to investments that are driven by social impact a little bit more so than men, men do. And so if we have this rise in um, female investors, I think that's certainly going to go a long way in trying to redress this gap. It's certainly not going to be the panacea for all these you know, challenges that we have right now. But even if, if it's not the ultimate panacea, but I think it will move us and progress us pace to where we want to be, right? Uh, that's, yeah. number um, that's number one. That's number one. And number two I as I said to you Tim I think it's very important to engage with that demand side understand what are the challenges from the demand side and if those challenges are non-financial barriers how do we start redressing those challenges correct um, and, and and what I also want to 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 make a point here I think it's very important because sometimes we may talk about these things and come up with these amazing ideas But in order for us to make sure that these sorts of things don't just end up being talk shop, right? In order for us to make sure that we transition from talk to action to implementation, there's got to be another step that we take. So, for example, let's take the example that I'm making with female-owned or female-led investment companies. That's not where it stops. I'll make an example of what the UNCDF is actually currently doing. it was in july of this year the uncdf met i think they have this forum they call the generation equality forum and they met in paris and they came up with certain objectives right two two objectives mainly one of which they call i think it's called the gender finance gap zero i think the other one is called the red tape zero but i want to concentrate on the gender finance gap zero really what this commitment and this objective seeks to do is bring about different parties to the table and partnering with different parties who bring about different skills. But the point is really to try and narrow this um, fi- this, this, this um, financial inequalities between women and men. But you know what I like about it? Not just that, I don't like that. That point is all good and well to talk about. But what I really liked about what they're doing is that they've taken it a, a step further, right? This is where the action is very important. What they already have in order to make sure that those objectives and that commitment doesn't just stay, you know, a commitment or objective, and that's where it ends. They have a financial tool which they call, I think it's called the Women's Economic Empowerment Fund um, Index, which really seeks to integrate. And, and I think this is where the key part is: is it integrates gender equality priorities into the investment agenda the entire uh-huh. value chain of the investment agenda. And this is where we wow. start making the difference. We're not just talking about <coughs> it, but every single important touch point of the investment process must be looking at whether, does this transaction address the gender equality priorities that we are looking at? And that for me is something quite important. I think we should start in in all the financial institutions and all the investment companies right now, if we really want to move the needle in terms of access to finance, that's exactly what we should start doing.
0: Wow, thank you so much. I mean, it's interesting. I never thought about the supply side being dominated by the male side. Also, you know, as I come back to you, I hadn't thought about the idea of how homophily had the, the concept of it, you know, when, when the word sort of founded, I've written a lot about the neuroscience of sameness and when, the, you know, the, the sort of pioneer of the concept back in the 1900s was in the middle of the women's equality movement when this was pioneered. I, I appreciate your insights and reflections, Zuki. Tandy, I'm not sure if you had thought about the idea that you guys working together is a product of homophily or not, but <laughs> now we know. <laughs> the product of sameness. What have you learned working alongside other brilliant women?
4: Um, Timothy, can I just touch on what um, Zuki has um, just um, said before I answer your question? Sure. Um, One of the things that I think, you know, um, what you're saying will address Zuki, um, that we have um, experienced in the in the little time that we have um, done some of the work along the line, is um, is the whole issue around um, the mechanization um, versus um, versus um, um, the hard labor. You know, doing things the 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 the, the hard labor approach. And um, and and when we when we look at this, we also have to balance. Um, looking at the area where this line is, uh, unemployment um, is is very high. I think it's amongst the highest um, in the country. And um, so we have to balance, um, you know, um, job creation issues around whether you go the the, the the automation um, route on, on some of the activities that we are doing in terms of the maintenance of the line, and um, and when you do the cost benefit analysis on both, I mean, those are the things that you have you have to look at, um, and competitiveness and and risk and return that kind of thing, and um, and if the investors or the funders um, that you are approaching are purely looking at these issues from a from a risk return point of view, uh, then it might put. Um, you know, it might pose some challenges in terms of, you know, gender, gender parity, in terms of how you then resource uh, your your workforce. So those are some of the things that we have to like juggle and and try and find a balance on. Um, And then to answer you, um, uh, Timothy, uh, for, I don't know whether to say, if, if I look at, at it from purely, inwardly, from a spagooza, you know, real point of view, uh, there is going to be, you know, a a little bit of um, influence coming from the fact that we are a family, you know? So there is flexibility in terms of how we do things and, um, and, and, and us having an understanding in terms of, you know, what the end goal is going to be. So there is a lot of flexibility that we have enjoyed and then also criticism. Um, um it, 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 we're not shy, you know, and in, in that score, you know, when we have to criticize, we criticize really bad. Okay <laughs> without, without feeling you know guilty about it, uh because we all understand that what the end goal is going to be and the ability as well to push hard. Um, yes. which otherwise I think if you were, you know, in, in a different environment where there is um, male counterparts, you know, they, they're not going to push as hard because they have to try and be sensitive, that kind of thing. So with us, I mean, we push hard when I mean, we have to push hard. Yeah. So, so it, 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 I think it's one of the benefits, you know, that 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 we, 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 we are, we are really enjoying uh, by 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 working um, as women.
0: Thank you so much, Sandy. And since we're a family, I'm going to stop there and we're going to transition because we've got about six minutes to go. You know, at some stage, Nanga, please, Nangamso, please put your, your audio on because I can see that this type of panel where we focus on solutions could last. We could workshop this for our whole yeah. day. And what I'm excited about is that you started this conversation, you brought the voices together, we will compile. We will extract insights and begin to build and channel these insights. Your, your commitment to making sure we push these forward is very important. What I'd like to do is we've got some questions in the chat and the way we wanna spend the last five minutes is we're gonna look through these a little bit and think through, we can sort of open the conversation up to the full panel, okay? So- Can
1: I, can I quickly comment on something to, sure. to the questions? I actually resonate very much with what the points that Zuki made in terms of um, homophily in particular, and, and the drive to create women-led, or women-owned financing institutions. I think that's, that's where a big part of the solution lies. There's a, there's a misconception about women needing accelerated, acceleration programs, they need small business they, they associate women businesses with small business. We have this um, um, training in education, development. Women don't need that. Women need capital. Women know what to do. Yeah. They need capital. They need access to markets. They need access to economic opportunities. If you give them the client, you they're going to deliver. Allow women to access the capital and grow their businesses. This This notion that we need to be trained, we need to... We need to be allowed to be, continue to be in small business environment. For example, women have huge amount of capital in terms of stock fields. That's, that's a, the power that we have, we can capitalize on. We can formalize that space and say, well, how about we use our own capital in building our own businesses? But the constraints within that environment and the competition is so high in that the other side, the supply is so big and it's controlled by the other gender. So what do we do? Wow. What do we do? We, we drive to create investment houses where we support each other's businesses. But for me, that's the key. So that's the point I wanted to make before we, make, we go to the questions, Timothy.
0: Oh, thank you so much for those observations. And again, you know, what, I, what I want and what I'm hoping happens is that we produce a report out of this to show people just how serious we are. So no pressure, non In Bukenga says internal configuration of vehicles, buses, trains should cater for women carrying kids and shopping bags. At least new designs can take care of this. Um, Prof. Marianne added comment to, to says to address sexual harassment, public transportation vehicles should have individual seats, not benches. I'm always amazed at how design can solve for so many of these Challenges. Malibo says that establish public transport schedules and pricing systems that respond to women users, affordable off-peak trips, incentivized multiple trips, or make them affordable and not punitive. So uh, as we close this conversation, I'm gonna ask the panel to do as we started. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds, your final comments in 30 seconds. And I'm gonna go back around the same way I started. So we got two minutes, 30 seconds each is perfect. Prof, your 30 second close for this panel.
3: Thank you Timothy. From a design point of view, and that's obviously where I come in, I think we need to make sure that we train more girls to go into STEM and then go into engineering. We need to talk to men to change their culture, including engineering men that do the current designs. Um, And I do think that we need to make sure that when we do analysis, and I want to just touch on one of the things that came to the fore, where females only scratched the bus and didn't crash the bus, um, (laughs) etc. That that type of data is there. If I look at my own province, 40% of drivers in general, not bus drivers, are female, 25% of crashes are uh, caused by them, and only 8% of the fatalities in the province, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. And uh, we can do that with sexual harassment, etc. So I do think from a transport engineering point of view, and that's the corner that I come from, you know, the the devil is in the detail, and we need to get the details right so that we do promote females and everybody that they're responsible for in the public space. Thank you.
0: Thank, thank you so much. Way.
3: Thanks,
2: Timothy. Um, so from a technologist's point of view, it's very easy for me to speak about solutions that exist. right? It's very easy for me to say, you know, the transport system of the future will be connected, it will be shared, it will be data-driven, it will be on demand, and all these tech... Uh, all these tax savvy words, right? What I want us to be careful of is that, particular to public transport system, we must not forget about elements of accessibility and inclusivity. And this is also when we design our solutions as technologists, right? By accessibility, I mean that the transport system must be available to all, even those with reduced mobility. What I mean by equitable is that uh, it has to be available to all irrespective of travelers demographics, right? Now, the particular challenge that we have in South Africa is that we do have a digital divide. And this is something that we need to look into because I can create all the apps that solves many problems. But if the end user cannot access the app, the app then it's for naught, right? So we have to look at digital connectivity increase digital connectivity more so in rural and remote areas so that the end users in those areas do not feel isolated and robbed of an opportunity to to participate and be included in a public transportation system.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Tandi. 30 seconds, actually, you have 28.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Um, in the environment uh, that we are operating in, uh, one of our biggest barriers to entry is, um, is capital. So, so um, we would really, you know, if, if, if we can put together solutions uh, that are going to be conducive um, for women um, entrepreneurs to enter the space, um, that, 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 that would go that would go a long way. So I'm glad that um, we've got um, Zuki um, and 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 Nanga in this conversation, and um, <laughs> we can we can we can we can look at it as to how we can we can get around it, because it is really tiring um, mm-hmm. when you approach some of these private equity you know private equity funds and 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 all. And um and they tell you that they don't support um rail, you know, rail um rail investments. Um and, and you ask yourself, I mean, then then what 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 is it that we expected to do? I mean, it's a space that you know everyone should be participating in. And and if there is going to be limitations from that point of view, then how are we going to you know um right.
0: make headway? Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zuki. Uh we, we know you. you can sing, but just give us 30 seconds, but not sing, okay. <laughs>
5: okay, we'll try and do it in <laughs> Thank you, Timothy. I want to echo what Bukega said in the previous panel. I also want to echo what Prof has just said in this panel. Um, there are studies that show that they are not just in transport, but companies which are women-owned and women-led performed generally tend to outperform some of their counterparties. We've heard on this discussion, there's now empirical evidence to, to, to try and support what these studies are saying. Mugega gave us evidence and some examples of what has happened in the transport sector. So for me, that says financing women, gender responsive finance is not a nice to have, it is an imperative, okay? It is critical for oil economies. There are studies that also show that the GDPs of economies and the global GDPs actually hikes up by three to 4% if women are included more in economic activity. So this is not a talk shop or a nice to have. These things are critical for growth. Thanks Timothy.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. Literally, I feel like every study now is bearing this point out, Zuki, from the Women Matter report at McKinsey to, to so many different ones. So thank you for nailing that point home. This is not a cute, nice to have conversation. It's rock hard bottom line business. Nangam, so I'd like for you to say thank you to everyone on the panel and then turn this over to Matseo. And thank you from my side, guys. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Timothy. I'm actually so overwhelmed. I I mentioned in the early um, part of the conversation that this is a movement. It actually feels like a movement because I feel like we need to take this conversation to the next level. The solutions are sitting here. And I'm, I'm really, really excited. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you, Timothy, for driving me to do this. I am so encouraged that the solution is within our reach. And the more we continue to have this conversation and engage with the right stakeholders and drive the, the messaging into the right ears and own the solution, the most important is that we own the solution. We're not having this conversation and and um, and playing victim, but we are saying that we have innovative ways in terms of how we can change the narrative. And I'm so excited then that the next level of this conversation is going to be more solutions implementation than exploring solutions. So let's continue this conversation, ladies and. Um, Yes, like I say in my podcast, let's keep moving.
0: A huge thanks to all the ladies and look out for episode four coming soon. Thanks again. And please share this episode with someone who cares about gender equality. Until next time.